Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we recap the weekend, the loss to the Nets, the loss to the Hawks. Does this team go as the backcourt goes? We talk about Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier's performance in both of those games. Also, Cody Zeller, his weird usage has been, I think, an underreported storyline. And we'll talk about this. Just having a good time talking about the Hornets, couple of bros, talking about the Horn Horns. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Band back together on a Monday. Moving along on a Monday. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Going to recap the weekend. Saw a couple of games the Hornets played. One against Brooklyn. We'll mention that in the first segment. Talk about that game. And then the Atlanta Hawks loss. We'll talk about in the second segment. James Borrego gave us a good quote to really sum up how the season has gone. We'll talk about that in the last segment chew of on. today's you show. Chew, you chew on quotes. Why do we chew on quotes? That's just what people say. Just gave, gave me a good quote to chew on. You just get mm-hmm. that get that quote in your mouth. You don't swallow it. You just mm-hmm. let you chew on it like gum. What's your favorite kind of, of what's your favorite kind of gum? Oh, that's a great question. You know, as a kid, it was bubblicious. That was the best, right? How like about bubble tape? Remember bubble tape? Bubble tape was great. Uh, Huge bubble tape man. guy. Well, yeah, bubble tape was amazing. Would you try? I mean, of course you would try it because you were a kid at some point. And if you had bubble tape, everybody tried this. But would you try to like borderline put the entire roll of bubble tape in your mouth and have the biggest bubble you possibly could. I get, I get the, the, the impulse to do that, but I was not a very impulsive kid. Uh, I, I would savor the bubble tape. I would, honestly, I would dread the moment that the bubble tape was out and, and you never knew exactly when it was going to happen. And so I would always dread that moment. How about big league chew? I was going to think of the, yep, same thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Why right are we the old Wait a bone. minute. That could never happen now, right? Like that big league chew. Like we were we were telling kids, "Hey, put a big old dip in your mouth, but it's gum, it's okay." Well, how about candy cigarettes, right? Well, we can't yeah. do that either. It was an you upgrade. Know, big league chew was an upgrade over candy cigarettes, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, look, I got to lay off the cigarettes. I moved on to big league chew, but then it was cool to act like the big leaguers and put as much as you possibly could in your mouth. And then I wonder, I wonder what the stats are on kids that chewed big league chew and if they used tobacco as they grew up. Well, and then ironically, you know, Nicorette is gum. Well, there's a Nicorette patch as well, but to get off of cigarettes, a lot of people chew a gum. You know, is candy patches the next thing (laughs) for kids just to have a patch right there? Then they can look cool. Nicotine patch kids. Yeah, yeah, there you go. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll market that. We need to make sure that we get that as a sponsor here for the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Let's talk about the Brooklyn game, Doug. It was a loss. Hornets lost 111 to 104. You look at really the game. It was pretty evenly played throughout until the Nets separated themselves in the third quarter a little bit by four points. And then it was a five point separation, 25 Brooklyn scored to the Hornets 20. You look at the guys that had the good game. I mean, look, it was uh, another um, very good backcourt performance from the Hornets. Devonte Graham offensively played well. I thought Terry Rozier offensively played well. Both of those guys had eight field goals. It took 19 attempts for Devonte, only 14 for Terry, but Devonte and Terry both 
I thought, again, offensively played pretty well. And Devontae went to the free throw line a couple of times. Cody Zeller, I thought, played well. This was a game that last time in the first contest that they met up, Jared Allen had a then season high 17 rebounds and really beat them up inside. You look at what Jared Allen did in this game. He only had 10 rebounds and they did to get 13 from DeAndre Jordan, who was almost perfect from the field. He actually went six of seven, but I thought Cody Zeller, you know, only six rebounds for him, but 17 points, eight of 12 did hit one three. So um, overall, what did you think? Of the Nets game, Doug, I, I, again, my takeaways were the backcourt played well offensively. Cody played well, but other than that, it wasn't enough to get them the victory. I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of have to disagree with you on the backcourt playing well offensively because uh, they combined for nine turnovers. And a lot of those, I mean, Devontae Graham just simply did not protect the basketball. A majority of his turnovers were just losing the basketball on a dribble. And you saw that repeat itself somewhat against Atlanta. I mean, he has to do a better job of protecting the basketball. Rozier, at least, a few of those were on passes where he was trying to maybe hit a gap that wasn't all the way there. And, you know, you're playing a Nets team with a lot of length and a lot of size, and they're they're not a terrible defensive team, and they sniffed out a lot of those passes that Rozier was trying to sneak in there, and he ends up with five turnovers and a minus 20 on the plus-minus for the game because he was involved in a lot of that late third, early fourth action that led to the Nets uh, running away with this. But yeah, I mean, the the big story of the game was 19, it wasn't just Devontae Graham and, and Terry Rozier, it's 19 total turnovers for 32 points. I mean, there's your difference and some in this game. And then second chance points. Uh, Brooklyn only had 10 second chance points, but I thought they got a few key offensive rebounds that kept possessions alive. When when If they had not kept that possession alive, it would have give, given the Hornets an opportunity to keep it close in the fourth quarter. So... You know, just stuff we've seen all season. Yeah, I, I look, I think the turnovers need to certainly get cut down. Devontae had eight assists to the four turnovers, and Terry, not nearly as good numbers there, just four assists on five turnovers. And I don't think he does a very good job of reading the right play. We've talked about that quite a bit. I just think overall, the efficiency from both of those guys, that proved to be pretty good from them, especially when you compare that to a game like the Atlanta Hawks, where both of these guys were really bad scoring the basketball four of 17 against Atlanta for Devonte three of 13 for Terry Rozier against Atlanta. So both of those guys, not exactly scoring the ball very well against Atlanta. You're right though. I mean, the turnovers do need to cut down. It's something that has been a problem all year long. And I'll say this too, you know, I think tactically they tried to go small at the beginning of that fourth quarter and they put PJ Washington. It was PJ Washington, Rozier, Batum, Bridges, and Monk to start the fourth quarter. And DeAndre Jordan, who played all 12 minutes of the fourth quarter, absolutely ate them alive. And the adjustment just never came. They eventually did get Cody Zeller in there, I believe, about seven minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, but no Bismack Biombo for the fourth. I mean, I guess the the gamble... You, I mean, you make that 18-9 to nine run at the end of the third to try to get it back, and you let them you know, get a few baskets there at the end of the third quarter... But then they go on a 12-0 run to start the fourth, and, and it was so much of it was DeAndre Jordan and that size and the Hornets not being able to counter that. So I think you really have to look at, you know, tactically, they just were not able uh, to win that fourth quarter. Yeah, and the, you talk about the fourth quarter, you know, Cody Zeller did play well, and Cody Zeller not playing a whole lot in the fourth quarter in this game, where you look at DeAndre, who was just destroying the Hornets six of seven and then did get the 13 rebound marker. 
And I need to see, God, did he even get in at all in the fourth quarter? If that happened just a few days ago, we need to go to popcornmachine.net. But who, I, I was who trying are you to saying think, there? I wasn't listening. Cody Zeller, right? I mean, how much run did he even get in the fourth quarter after DeAndre Jordan just put a can of whoop ass on him? Yeah, so in the fourth quarter, he um, Cody Zeller came in with uh, seven minutes remaining and then left with 323, only had two defensive rebounds. Meanwhile, DeAndre Jordan was four of five in the fourth quarter, uh, had two free throws as well, seven rebounds, two of those offensive, an assist and a block. Yeah, so inside in the fourth quarter, a five-point difference at the end of this game, mm-hmm. as far as that quarter goes, Cody wasn't out <laughs> Jared there. Allen didn't even that's play. A, that's the crazy I, thing. Like Jared Allen did not even play in the fourth quarter after really annihilating them in the third quarter. It's crazy. So the big man, yeah, that rotation, right? Like why, you know, Cody not being out there. What was business numbers? Do you have business numbers out there for the fourth? Zero, zero minutes. Yeah, right, right. That's what I thought. So like you look at the big man, okay, like, Look, I understand going small and trying to stretch guys out and yada, yada, but man, I wouldn't feel in that when DeAndre Jordan was. Yeah, it did. It absolutely did. So you look at that game with the Brooklyn Nets. I think those were a couple of takeaways that we had as far. I, I thought the backcourt shot well. Um, the turnover certainly did hurt them, and they provided more than, I guess it was almost uh, right half, right? I mean, it was 19. They had nine turnovers, so it was pretty much half of the turnovers were accounted by for the backcourt. But overall, I think that was something. Just kind of a bad loss overall, though. And you look at their offensive output in that game, only 104 points for them. No uh, quarter did they score. They, they started off hot. That was something that's kind of changed a little bit, right? It, they, yeah. they started off 32 points. And then against the Hawks, um, they held the Hawks to 24 and 27 in the first half. And it was the second half that really contributed to the loss for the Hornets. So they've kind of flipped that script a little bit. And it's odd, right? Because we've seen how well... Uh, so many Hornets have shot from three. Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, P.J. Washington, Cody Zeller is developing a three-point shot. Marvin Williams has been red hot from three this season. And yet, if you look at the Hornets' offense, overall, it's not very good. And I know we're going to talk about some reasons why that's occurring a little bit later in the show. But yeah, this is not a good offensive team despite shooting well uh, from beyond the arc. The other thing, too, is in this game, uh, Devontae Graham uh, getting a shoulder injury early in this one. He did come back and shoot well. But how scared were you when they assaulted our sweet baby Yoda? <laughs> well, I, I was really scared because Devontae has been the best player for the Hornets and Cody Zeller, if you want to do something. I, look, Cody's been fine, but Devontae's been the best player for them. And Devontae going out, like how... How exciting is this team if Devontae Graham doesn't play? I mean, because we've talked a lot about the youth of this team and even Slam puts out a tweet when they have that really sweet uh, fast break opportunity for the Atlanta Hawks. Like they're getting a little bit of play on national NBA Twitter. But if Devontae Graham goes down and he's out for any length of time, how exciting is this team to watch minus Devontae Graham? Well, it's not because two things happen, right? <laughs> when Devontae Graham's not on the floor, he, he's not influencing the defense. Defenses are starting to adjust and move towards Devontae Graham, and it's opening things up for Terry <laughs> Rozier to get those catch-and-shoot opportunities. The second thing that happens is I think this team immediately goes back to Terry Rozier working the pick-and-roll, slowly probing the defense and ended up turning the basketball over or missing at the rim. I mean, I think so much of Terry Rozier's offensive, uh, 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 you know, excelling offensively this season has been a result of Devontae Graham. 
All right, let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks game. The Atlanta Hawks, they've been playing really bad. They're 6-17 and 17 now. They were 5-17 and 17 coming into that game yesterday. So we'll talk about that one that the Hornets could have gotten a victory against. But before we take a break, Doug, why don't you tell the people about Audible? Well, listen, Thanksgiving was so late this year. It means there are less days to holiday shop. I didn't realize this until a few days ago, and now I'm panicking. But if you're panicking, I've got an easy gift idea for you, and you don't have to deal with the crazy mall people. Think about giving yourself or someone you love the gift of an Audible membership. Now is the best time to do it because we've got a special offer for our listeners. 53% off your first three months on Audible. It's an oddly specific percentage and a great deal. Access, it is. Access an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. You can choose three titles every month, one audiobook and two exclusive Audible originals you can't hear anywhere else. I'm actually using Audible right now to listen to Jonathan Abrams' amazing oral history of the HBO show The Wire. That's called All the Pieces Matter. Listen on any device, anytime, anywhere with the Audible app. It's great while you're commuting, if you're at the gym, or during your holiday travels. If you're traveling a long way, just pop on Audible. With Audible, you'll also enjoy easy audiobook exchanges and your own audiobook library you keep forever, even if you cancel. Right now, for a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month. That's more than half off the regular price. Start listening today. Visit audible.com slash LockedOnNBA, or you can text LockedOnNBA to 500-500. All right, the Atlanta Hawks game recap. We'll talk about that next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a radar, excuse <laughs> a radar. Me, of all NBA, yeah, on the radar, on the radar of <laughs> all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from, come from uh, Catawba County. Put so, him on the radar. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Hornets got beat in the second half badly against the Atlanta Hawks and at home 122 to 107. And unlike the game against the Brooklyn Nets, where the backcourt at least shot pretty well, the backcourt was awful in this game against Atlanta. And it was really the front court that provided a lot of the scoring against the Hawks. You look at Miles Bridges, seven of 14, hit all three point shots that he took. He took three of them, ended up with 20 points. And then how about this stat line from PJ Washington, Doug? PJ goes three of six from the field, two of four from the three-point line, and ends up with 20 points because he went to the free-throw line 13 times and hit 12. And P.J. had struggled from the free-throw line. In the fourth quarter, I believe I heard Dell and Eric Collins talking about this maybe a few games back. I forget which contest it was. But P.J. had been kind of struggling from the free-throw line. Um, and, and really, in the fourth quarter, he had shot better. But in this one, he shot well, 12 of 13 and again, 20 points for him on just six shots from the field. So impressive that PJ was able to go to the foul line that many times. It's the first time we've seen a rookie do that for the Bobcats slash Hornets since DJ Augustine did it back when he was a rookie. So impressive game from PJ getting to the line, being physical. And I think my main takeaway was PJ is strong, man. Like he's always shown some of his strength, but I can't wait till he starts to put that a little bit more consistently out there. And he doesn't have to hit the rookie wall like he did a little bit earlier. At least that's what we hypothesized. PJ is a lot of fun to watch, man. He's going to be good. And watching his strength in this game is something I took note of. 
Yeah, four of fifteen. That's the uh, that's the number for Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier combined from three. So shots were not falling. Defensively, they were able to work it out in the first half. The big challenge, if you haven't heard, the big challenge from uh, Coach James Borrego for this team is to hold teams to twenty-seven a quarter, and they were able to do that. They won the first quarter twenty-seven to twenty-four. They lost the second quarter twenty-seven to twenty-six, but still holding Atlanta to twenty-seven. And then you come out in that third quarter and get beat 37-30. to 30, And that really was the difference in the game. You allowed Trey Young, who you had done a pretty good job of, of corralling in that first, uh, first half, you allow him to get in a groove. And, and I think that they, they, they were, I mean, Vince Carter was <laughs> just amazing in this game. It's, yeah, I mean, he he's was. what? He's awesome. You know, producer Katie looked at me at one point and was like, Did, isn't he like 50 years old? Um, I don't know. It, pretty close. Uh, 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. He ends the game 17 points. The bench for Atlanta was uh, tremendous. Uh, They get 17 from Vince. They get 10 from DeAndre Hunter, who hasn't really played well this season. Alex Lynn, 13. Alan Crabb, 11, and had that uh, dunk on the run out uh, that really pretty much sealed things for Atlanta in this one. Yeah, defensively, they had active hands in the first half, and in the the third quarter, they just kind of let things go and their offense wasn't playing well. They had to get everything at the rim. There was nothing happening from beyond the arc. They weren't uh, hitting anything. Uh, they were really weren't hitting at the rim either. Uh, points per possession at the rim, 107.7, uh, despite uh, 51% of their shots being at the rim. That's, that's, that's bad. I mean, that's, that's not a winning formula. <laughs> so you texted me during this game, Doug, and then you, te- you texted me that Devontae Graham, I forget what it was exactly, but basically Devontae Graham cannot hit anything inside the arc. He has been awful on two point shots this season. Yeah. And so I was looking at some stats heading into this show and you go to basketball reference and you look at 143. So according to all of the players that qualify to be measured, right? And that's 143 players that basketball reference have come up with among 143 players that qualify. Devonte Graham is 139th in two-point field goal percentage, 139th out of 143. And Dwayne Bacon had been taking a lot of this criticism at the beginning of the season, right? Because he had just, it. he continues to miss layups, right? He continues to miss mm-hmm. bunnies at the rim. And, and that is, is a theme that has continued even after the start of the season. But Devontae Graham, man, if he's not hitting from three-point range, then he's just not going to be hitting 39%, 38.9 to be exact, 39% Devontae Graham shoots from two-point range. And there's only, the, there's it, it, you look at all the guards, he's only ahead of Darius Garland, a rookie, Kobe White, a rookie, and Mike Conley is dead last among all NBA players that qualify, Doug. He's 143 out of 143. That's crazy. Shooting 36.5% from two-point range. So that's certainly surprising. Um, but Devontae Graham... I, that's concerning to me a little bit. Look, it Devonte has been very good for this team, and he's been very exciting. He's been a very good passer. He's been a very good shooter from beyond the arc. But Devonte, I, I imagine this number is going to go up, but only because it can't go much. It can't go further down, in my opinion, and that's concerning. And I hope that fixes itself sooner rather than later. Well, I'll say I think it will fix itself. I don't know if it's going to going to be this season, but it's year two. This is a reminder for everyone that this is year two for Devontae Graham. This is not, you know, if this were happening in year five or six, okay, then I'm like, what's what's really going on here? But we know that he worked a lot in the offseason. 
to improve his three-point shot, and you're seeing that improvement take shape, I'm sure that if this continues uh, the rest of the season, it's just it's difficult to improve things in season. Now, I, I think they, that they're going to take all this film uh, into the gym, into the offseason, and you'll see an improved Devontae Graham from two. But it's to me, the problem I is consistent across the board. Uh, so his step back is short. His uh, floater is short. There was one play against Atlanta where he, he drove inside. He got some contact uh, from one of the Atlanta bigs. It's a play we've seen many times from Kimball Walker, and Kimball learned to get that inside elbow uh, into the into the defender and then finish with the other hand. And Devontae was just well short on on that type of play. And so I just there are some things that I think have to be uh, worked out from two because eventually this is what's going to happen. I mean that you're seeing the tape now and you're seeing Devontae Graham continue to tear teams up from three. You're going to see opposing teams just running defenders out as fast as they can to the three-point line and forcing him down inside. And Devontae Graham, I think, is going to have to make plays for others as opposed to trying to get his own offense. And and then defenses are going to adjust to that. Uh, so it's it's going to have a ripple effect, his ability not to finish inside and defenders knowing that about him. So going back inside, you mentioned the Brooklyn Nets game when we talked or we talked about the rotation between the bigs in that game with the Nets. So you actually got to see a little bit of Billy Hernan Gomez in this game. Only played three minutes, hey. comes out, misses both the field goals, and right. Billy gets sad immediately. <laughs> so um, Billy, <laughs> well, Billy good to got see you, to Billy. see some team. Yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you the next blowout, and then we'll see you give up a bucket and miss a couple of the shots that you take. Bismack started again, 15 minutes for him, and Cody Zeller only playing 21. It kind of just makes... I, I wonder... If James Borrego and that staff and including the front office, are they just so worried about Cody Zeller's load management? I mean, is this an actual thing with Cody Zeller? Do they think Bismack Biombo is actually giving them a lot better basketball? I just I, I I'm kind of puzzled at Cody Zeller not starting, only getting the 21 minutes. Is this them trying to save him in order to possibly trade him at the deadline? I, I it just I go back to that comment that Rick had with us, I believe, in an interview maybe a few weeks ago, probably going maybe close to a month ago, where he thinks, you know, hey, I think they're being very cautious about Cody Zeller and not playing him a ton because of his injury history. And again, only 21 minutes for Cody Zeller in this game against the Hawks when, again, we've talked about yeah, that that just doesn't seem like the best lineup. Like Cody Zeller probably needs to be out there more than 21 minutes. Yeah, certainly. I think that's part of it, Walker. But also, I just think this team has no idea, or really specifically James Borrego just has no idea what combination of players to put out there in order to defend competently. Uh, I think it's why you're seeing Bismack Biombo start, uh, because he is a player that's going to give you physicality underneath to start a game alongside P.J. Washington, Bridges, Devontae Graham, and Terry Rozier, where you have a mix of players that aren't big enough to guard their position and players that are not physical enough to guard their position and rebound. And so that's why you have Biz out there. And then we haven't talked about the one player we haven't seen in in longer, I think, than Billy is Michael (laughs) K. Gilchrist. Gets 22 minutes in this game. He's three of eight from the field. Really, I think he was like one of six when it counted. I think he got a couple of buckets late when the game was already out of reach. Uh, So he wasn't very effective offensively. Got beat a few times defensively. I didn't think it was a great showing. But I think at this point, Borrego is throwing things against the wall. Uh, He was taking minutes from Nick Batum. 
who had been, I think, one of their better defenders. I don't I don't really understand it. I don't understand why you make the switch there unless they were worried, concerned about Nick Batum's hand, and maybe they just wanted to try something else. I, I just think they're trying things at this point. Yeah, I, I think MKG, it wasn't bad enough for me to say, don't give him any more minutes. I thought defensively he was fine. I know he got beat maybe a couple times, but I thought MKG was even decent defensively. I think offensively, he's very rusty. He's never been a great shooter anyway. He does hit a three-pointer in this game, which goes to my theory that first they should not have. Yeah, they, it goes to show you that they shouldn't have. And Steve Clifford, for all the things I thought he did well, I, I really did hate that MKG just strictly was not allowed to shoot at the end, right? Like, I just think eventually that does help an offense, even if he's not a great shooter. He's good enough to where maybe you can hit a couple from outside. Like, Doug, we got to a point where anytime MKG would hit a three-pointer, it wasn't immediately tweet-worthy. Like, we got to a point where that was happening at a frequent enough rate where brief, we did not have to tweet about it. It was very brief, but that's because he hasn't been playing. And so I don't mind if they want to play MKG a little bit more. You mentioned, though, I'll say, I'll say this. Like, Nick Batum had been good defensively. MKG certainly has a better defensive ceiling. And for me, if Nick Batum, you mentioned that one stat, uh, I think before we started recording, you said Nick Batum has taken five shots at the rim mm -hmm. so far this season, and mm -hmm. he's made four of them. And we often talk about Nick Batum about, you know, we had talked about it before about how he just doesn't have a role within this offense. Look, I think he can swing it. I've talked about Nick Batum being better than a Dwayne Bacon in the starting lineup, actually just facilitating the basketball a little bit more and moving it. Um, but if you put MKG in there instead of Nick Batum, Doug, I don't have a big problem with it. Like that's like, I questioned the big man rotation for James Borrego. I'm not as mad at MKG getting in the rotation a little bit. I feel bad for Borrego. It just doesn't. I just, he just doesn't have the pieces to compete no, defensively right now, and and he's going to. I think you're going to see this team continue uh, to move pieces around and figure things out. I think Cody Martin should be getting more minutes. I'm not. An, I don't really understand why his minutes. Yeah. Diminished. I don't. Uh, I mean, I know. Look, the team's not playing well offensively anyway. I, I don't know that he could. They that he would really be a detriment to them in that way. Uh, but you know, it obviously, seemed like he had gotten a little bit more comfortable too, right? We had talked about yeah, that and agreed wow. that he was so shook with the basketball in his hands. He wanted no part of that basketball. And I feel like he got a little bit more comfortable as he got more minutes, which is understandable for a rookie, but now I'm with you. I'd like to see Cody Martin a little bit more. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things for James Borrego to do. And real quickly, I want to go back to Cody Zeller just because I, I think this is one of the more undertold stories I think of the season. Remember, Doug, we talked about Cody Zeller because we saw him in the preseason be utilized so much more on offense that Cody was almost a focal point in preseason. And then right. he comes out and in the month of October, they played four games. Maybe they played five, but Cody only played four because he had that personal matter. So he missed one game at the very beginning of the season. Cody Zeller's numbers were 35 minutes, 29 minutes, 27 minutes, 35 minutes. All of those games, he had at least double-digit field goal attempts. He shot 52% with all those field goal attempts. He was 40% from three-point range, yes, in just four games. But Cody Zeller was out here, and they were using him on offense. And then immediately, the first game that he plays in November, 20 minutes, 17, 19, 28, mm -hmm. 27, 34, 28, mm -hmm. 25, 16, 15, 22. And it's just like, all right, well, we're kind of forgetting about Cody Zeller. And I just, I just, 
again, we go back to that comment with Rick where maybe they're doing some load management, but I just feel like that's kind of been under talked about, right? Where it's kind of been a roller coaster in how they've used Cody Zeller when Cody clearly is a guy that deserves more minutes than the 15 or the 21, I think, that he played against the Atlanta Hawks. I, I just find his season a little bit more fascinating than what's being discussed. Well, I mean, I, I, he reminds me of my first car. It was a 1995 gold Honda Accord, and bless its soul, it just couldn't get right. Uh, and, 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 not, and not because it didn't want to. It was a beautiful car. It just, you know, just one problem after another. And, but then I would take it to the shop, and the shop would fix all the problems. Oh, there's a hole in the muffler. Okay, we'll replace the muffler. Oh, there's something wrong with the air conditioner. All right, we'll replace the air conditioner. And for the first two to three weeks after getting it out of the shop, the thing ran like a dream machine. Little 1995 Honda Accord zipping around Gastonia, North Carolina. And then wouldn't you know it, just a few weeks later, something would go wrong, then something else would go wrong. And then all of a sudden, I'm a, quote, danger out on the road. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what's, you know, I mean, that seems to be what's happening with Cody Zeller is they, they thought, okay, let's make him a focal point of the offense. Let's give him more responsibility. And then bam, he's broken again. And, yep, and um, it's just, a, it's a difficult situation. <laughs> and I think when we look back on it, it's just going to be one of those things that we say, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of promise there. The Hornets played better when he was on the floor, just couldn't stay on the floor. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify wrapped to show us your top locked on podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at locked on live. Again, that's at symbol locked on live and the host of the show Twitter account as well. Make sure you tweet at them on Twitter and we will share and retweet that. So again, if you're a Spotify listener, make sure you use Spotify wrapped to show us your top locked on podcast for the year. JB got a quote. Doug wants to chew on it. We'll do that next on the locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I feel like Cody Martin is the perfect guy to go down there right now as much as anybody is. Yeah, you no, like I know, that yeah, no, I definitely, sorry, Martin. I didn't know you were tossing me there. Yeah, I definitely, okay. I definitely think that. Was uh, that a me problem or a you problem? Were you just not listening or were, was I just, did I didn't set you up? Oh, I totally wasn't, li- I wasn't listening to you okay. at all. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. After the Brooklyn loss, James Borrego spoke with the media. And Doug, you found a quote that you wanted to chew on. You mentioned a couple of times he had a quote after that loss that you think sums up the season pretty well. JB said, quote, we don't have great size, but Terry and Devante have great heart. They're starting to play well in rhythm. Why do you like that quote so much, Doug? I like it because James Borrego, as we've seen so far, keeps things pretty close to the chest. We have seen him get animated at times. He's been frustrated, especially when the Hornets uh, don't seem to give their all out there, when they're not physical enough, when they're not going after rebounds that they should definitely be going after. We've seen him really kind of quietly punish players for doing that. I mean, I think part of Dwayne Bacon's uh, descent into his current role out of the starting lineup I certainly had something to do with how badly he was playing offensively, but I think part of it was that he was not doing other things that would help this team. So, but he's not someone like Jim Boylan who's going to go out and like berate players to the media and and you know lose the team in the process. But we do get these little nuggets every once in a while where I think it's like James Brago is like being held hostage and he's giving us little messages, coded messages that are saying, "Here, hey, here's the actual situation. Here's what's going on." And I think this quote is one of them because he says, you know, we don't have great size, 
But Terry and Devontae have great heart. They're starting to play well in rhythm. And I think the great size part there is doing a lot of work in this because we've seen it in these past two games where you've had to match up Devontae Graham with DeAndre Hunter, and it's just not a fair fight. And it, it really, you know, I, I just think that if this team were actually competing for the playoffs, and th- there would be just no way that Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham play on the floor together. I don't know what you think about that, Walker, but I just don't, I don't see that happening realistically in a world where the Hornets are trying to compete for a playoff spot because it just it doesn't allow them to defend. Well, it would be different. It'd be different if this one of them, if they were average defenders, right? Like, and I think Terry has shown every once in a while he can be okay, but Terry, I don't think has been all that great on defense this season. We know that Devontae's really struggled. You can be small and still be a good defender, right? Like a Patrick Beverly comes to mind. Patrick Beverly, not the tallest guy in the world. He's a little bit of a dog and I'm not trying to, he's a lot of dog and I'm not asking Terry Rozier to go out and make his career by being the biggest pest in the world, but size doesn't necessarily mean that you're, or lack of size doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to be good at defense. I just think both of these guys don't have defense as their strong suit. And, and to that point, it makes you right where I don't know if they're competing for the playoffs that you can see both of these guys on the court for a lot of time, unless they're both hitting um, shots at an efficient rate. If Devontae just has one of these really hot games and then everybody has to account for Devontae hitting from deep and then Devontae hits Terry Rozier and then all of a sudden Terry Rozier has become very good at the ca- at catching and shooting rather than having the ball in his hands. And so offensively, they can put a lot of pressure on you. If Terry gets hot, hits four threes, Devontae gets hot and has one of his six, three, seven, three performances, then yeah, offensively, that's really tough to go against. And then you just kind of take some of the lumps that they'll give you on defense. But man, when they're going to have a less than average game or a pretty tough game offensively, then you get blown out by 20 points against a bad basketball team like the Atlanta Hawks, right? Like that's, that's what happens if they're not going to be hitting efficiently because defensively, if if you're not hitting even at an average rate, then you're going to get destroyed. And that's what happened with the Charlotte Hornets team in this game last night. And I think what will be interesting is if the Hornets do end up getting a top five pick and take a guard that does have some size, then all of a sudden the Hornets are in a a bit of a pickle because what do you do in that situation? Do you pair that player with Devontae Graham and then send Terry Rozier back to his bench role that he was sold? He was sold on a leadership position with this team. And he's and to his credit, he has seeded some of that because he's still a starting guard. He's seeded some of that to Devontae Graham because of how well Devontae Graham has played. Uh, but what happens when they if they do draft someone, a young player, or acquire a young player in a, in a trade situation that has the size to guard his position? What happens then? That's that's what I'm curious about. What does JB do in that situation? Do you go with Devontae Graham? Because if you I think if you sit Terry, that's going to be a situation. If you sit Devontae, I think that hurts you ultimately in the long term. So uh, it's it's just really interesting to me, and I think that quote uh, just says it all about this Hornets season. That in any other situation where the Hornets were competing, these two players, despite playing well with each other offensively, they would not be. There's no way you would play them together because they cannot. They, each of them, they cannot guard their positions and it's causing ripple effects, especially when you have Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington back there, two players who are just not physical defensively. 
Well, and, and even Malik Monk, right? It's not like you can go to him and say, okay, we'll go fix all of that. And Malik Monk's not going to do that. And I haven't done any research on this yet, right? I mean, this is when we get into the offseason. We'll start to look at some of the prospects out there in college basketball. But Cole Anthony, a highly sought after guy, his play has dipped. I don't know if it's going to be, well, it's because the help around him isn't abundant with the North Carolina Tar Heels. But Cole Anthony has been very inefficient and hadn't been all that great. His play has dipped. And he's only 6'3 anyway. Nico Mannion. I don't even know if Nico is someone that is considered for a top five pick, or maybe he plays himself into that category. But Nico Mannion for Arizona, he's only 6'3. Like the guy that you talk about with size in the backcourt, Doug, it's LaMelo Ball, who I believe is injured and will be out for a month. <laughs> yes. But it's LaMelo. Bring it on. I, I, <laughs> that, ball that's time. the guy. It's ball season, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so it, I'm going to look up LaMelo's height. Like, yeah, he's, he's on the ground. Yeah. Lamelo's from downtown. Like, Ball season. Okay. Lamelo's the guy. <laughs> Anything a, else with Lamelo Ball? Yeah, no, that is. Uh, no, that is my thing. I didn't even realize that you were doing a read for us there. But that's the guy that that would fit. And so, it, oh, James Wiseman. I don't know how seriously you're considering him, the seven foot center from Memphis. And you know, there might be some other ones. You know, I don't know about Anthony Edwards. Maybe that's someone that can provide you some size playing the two. And I think he's about six, five, six, six, something like that. But yeah, those would be the guys that you look at. And Doug, I'm interested to get your thoughts on maybe the minutes distribution for some of the pillars, I think, for this team, because here we talk about Terry Rozier. Like, I don't know how much a part of the future they want Terry Rozier to be, or if they just said, hey, here's someone that can come in and score while we're rebuilding. Maybe he can get a shot, just a three-year deal. Maybe he can parlay this into another contract. Like, I don't know what that relationship's going to be in a couple of seasons, but Devontae is getting 33 minutes per game right now. Terry Rozier, 32. Miles Bridges, 31, if you round it up. PJ Washington, 28. And then you have a five minute drop off for the next guy on the list. That's Cody Zeller at 23 and a half, Nick Batum at 22, Malik Monk at 20. I just, I wonder, like, if you were to ask me, the, the pillars the guys that it's going to take a lot to pry them away from the Hornets roster. It would be Devante. I think it would still be miles because he is still getting a lot of minutes and it'd be PJ. And I think you can have Malik Monk for a pretty easy price. Like Dwayne Bacon, they wanted to establish early was so bad. They couldn't do it. And now he's getting 19 minutes a game after playing quite a bit at the beginning of the season. Do those minutes going to those guys mean anything to you? Am I reading too much into who they think highly and about enough or or is that is that just how it's playing out and Borrego's trying a whole bunch of different things now you're into pillars all of a sudden you're a pillars <laughs> guy you love pillars uh there's only one pillar in my mind and that's my sweet baby yoda Devonte grab don't you hurt him pj's not pj's not listen there's Devonte grab right? pillar man right that's fine there's that's fine it could be a pillar for you there's one pillar in my mind and it's Devonte graham because he's out there okay just being the best little baby Yoda he can be. It happened in Mandalorian, by the way. He almost got hurt in Mandalorian, and I almost threw the remote through my television. Don't you dare touch him. But he's got to shoot better from inside the arc. No, but, but he has to shoot better from two-point range. I'm surprised, Doug. I, I want to give that a little bit more attention uh, that P.J. Washington is not considered a pillar in your eyes because P.J. has been he's very got some good. work not- to do. He's got some okay. work to do. I want there's some. Oh. There's more. Th- I'll tell you, there are more things... That I want to see out of PJ, then I then there are things that I want to see out of Devontae. All right, thanks for listening, and remember you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and you can follow us on Twitter 
at Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.